The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. And for this week and next week, you will have the audio version only of Stacking the Box. We are preparing for our NFL Draft Show, which is on Fansided's Facebook Live page, of course, April 26th, next Thursday. Please come and join us. It'll be Josh, myself, a bunch of other really talented people here at Fanside. It's going to be a great show. And because of all the prep going into it, we simply just cannot... Uh, shoot a video portion of this for the next couple of weeks. So bear with us, um, and uh, we'll be we'll be back on video after that, starting in the beginning of May. But for now, we are co- of course here, uh, still doing the show. And this this week is going to be a little bit longer, maybe perhaps a little bit of a fireside chat kind of thing as we talk about the NFL draft. We talk about this Bryant getting cut. We talk about Rob Gronkowski potentially getting traded and holding out from Pat's camp. A lot of things going on here as we're in the middle of April. A very snowy, cold, windy, freezing April here in Chicago. So, that all being said, Hill, what uh, what catches your eye here as we head down the stretch toward the draft? <clears throat> I mean, I think the most interesting story right now has to be Des Bryant. Like, so they get the Cowboys, they cut him. Not entirely surprising. We kind of saw that the writing was on the wall for a while there. But just the fact that it's happened, I think before we can move into where is he going to play next, I think we kind of have to do a quick little post-mortem on his tenure in Dallas because it was a little bit of a complicated relationship. He's not, he's going to be remembered as one of the best Cowboys to have gone through the franchise, but he's also, you could make the argument that he really wasn't that great when he was with the Cowboys. Like maybe he was, there was a lot of lost potential, a lot of broken promises there. Um, He wasn't, you know the player that they, you know, to make up for them missing on Randy Moss. He wasn't a replacement for Michael Irvin after all these years. And I think a lot of that is just indicative of that era for the Cowboys. You have Tony Romo, who, you know, if he stays healthy, how does his career look differently? And if he stays healthy, how does Des Bryant's career look right now? Uh, are they even in a position to cut him right now? Or are they cutting him a little bit more, you know, having more ceremony cutting him than it was, you know, unceremoniously, basically just, you know, thanks for the hard work. Good luck in your next job. <laughs> like, yep. so, and I think that this is really the end of an era for the Cowboys. This is now Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott. Um, I think Jason Garrett is really the only holdover from that. And I'm wondering, 
you know, with, with Des gone now, with Tony Romo gone, although that was a little more amicable. Uh, what, what's next for, for Jason Garrett? Because this is a brand new era for Cowboys football. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. Des Bryant has not had a 1,000-yard season since 2014. Mm-hmm. He was due to make $16.5 million this year. The Cowboys saved 8.5 by cutting him. They do eat $8 million of dead money. Um, and I think you're right. Like It's a great what-if question. Like If Tony Romo stays healthy or if that pass in Green Bay is mm. quote-unquote caught yep. and not dropped, even though I think it was caught by everybody's estimation of what a catch should be, um, you're asking some – Different questions. There's oh, a very yeah. good chance they win that game. They're in the NFC title game, and maybe they beat Seattle and they move on. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the world that we live in, the reality that we had, is he didn't catch that ball by NFL standards, and Romo did get hurt. And I think the Cowboys are looking at this team as being, look, it's Dak, it's Zeke, it's a really good offensive line, and we're going to build around that. And Bryant, being 29 years old and as expensive as he was, just wasn't going to fit in. Now, he said he was willing to take a pay cut. Cowboys never offered him one. Uh, and now he moves on. If I'm him, assuming he doesn't need the money, you know, he's not hard enough for cash, I'm looking to play for a team that can win a Super Bowl. Because oh, yeah. he's 29 years old. You know, he, he's going to get decent money no matter where he ends up. If I'm him, I'm telling my agent, look, I want to play in New England. I want to play in Green Bay. I want to mm-hmm. play maybe in Houston. I want I want to go somewhere. You know, Seattle, I don't know if they're a contender right now, probably a little bit of a rebuild. But a team like that, I mean, Carolina um, – you know, and I think New England's fascinating because, quite frankly, and we'll get to New England in a little bit here, but who are their receivers? Uh, you know, yeah. I know Edelman's inside, but they lost Amendola. They traded away Cooks. Is it Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell on the outside? Like, is that who's starting? <laughs> I don't care how great Brady is. Th- that's a concern. Okay? And you're one injury away from Gronk or Edelman to being an offense that relies on Rex Burkett. Mm. So, uh, but that all being said, and we'll get to them again in a little bit, Des Bryant is still a good player. Oh, yeah. He's no longer a great player, but could he help your offense as a, as a decent number one, certainly a very good number two? Yeah, absolutely he could. So he's going to find a home. Cowboys kind of did him dirty, though, by waiting until this point in the year to, to <laughs> release him. Like, why not release the guy in, in late February and let him catch right. on? Like, what? I don't understand what the thought process was. It's not like they saved any more money by waiting. So kind of screwed the guy over. Uh, I'll allow the Chiefs to a Jeremy Macklin last year. Oh, the Chiefs mm-hmm. even waited until later. They always laugh at the draft. But tough break for Bryant, but he'll bounce back. He's a good player in a league that is very pass-happy. So he'll he'll find a home. He'll have multiple suitors. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Adam Schefter was saying, like, the Cardinals, the Bills, Packers, and I think he was in contact with the Ravens at yep. some point. Uh, all all interested, but I agree. You know, I wrote it for fan-sided. I was like, there's no better middle finger for Des Bryant to flash Jerry Jones than one that has a Super Bowl ring on it, especially one if he wins it in New York or Philadelphia. <laughs> or I don't think he's going to Washington. I think Washington was the first team that kind of, you know, the beat writers poo-pooed that. They're like, they're, he's, he's not coming here. But could you imagine those practices <laughs> with Josh Norman and Des Bryant? And similarly, in New York, could you imagine being Pat Shermer? You just got this job. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's actually the only Browns coach, I think, in recent memory that's kind of gotten a pass. We kind of look back on that and like, oh, he got a bad shake because then he goes to Minnesota and does what he did. Could you imagine coming to that job and you're like, look, Eli's aging, need to fix quarterback problem. By the way, you have to coach both Odell and Des. Have fun. (laughs) Hope those checks clear because you're going to earn every single penny of that contract. And still comparatively to when he coached the Browns, a paradise. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think he went 10 and 22 over two years with the Browns. And that is legitimately, I I might write a long form on how it's one of the greatest (laughs) coaching jobs of all time. Uh, Just ask Hugh Jackson. Right. So 
Yeah, I think you know he'll catch on. I, Carolina needs a receiver. I know they traded for Torrey Smith, but mm-hmm. Torrey Smith has been awful yeah. for basically five years now. So I, I don't think you're relying on him. And Devin Funches is, is a good player. He's fine, but he's not a number one. Um, there are some contenders who could use him. The Packers, you could argue, maybe you have Cobb, who's kind of regressed a little bit here as he's gotten older. They have Adams, who they think is really going to explode onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some teams that could use him. I, you know, I wouldn't be stunned. I Again, New England, to me, they, they need receiving help in the worst way on oh, the yeah. outside. But I don't know if, if Bryant and Belichick would be a very great marriage. I thought immediately the Texans because mm-hmm. – you know, it's Houston. It's not that far from Dallas. Yeah. They have this up-and-coming quarterback. They've got Hopkins. He'd be a really good number two there. He'd fit in. I think, you know, the Texans are a team that people expect a lot of this year. Um, but, you know, it's too bad he's not 10 years older because the Raiders have just come calling. <laughs> At that, you know, if he, oh, yeah. if he was 39 instead of 29, Gruden would be out there offering him five years. The whole thing would be guaranteed. Get a piece of the team. <laughs> uh, but, unfortunately, we're not there. Maybe his next contract Maybe. Uh, the Raiders will be, be ready for him. By the way, Pat Shermer, the year 2012, he goes 5-11, and 11, wins five games with a quarterback core of Brandon Whedon, Seneca Wallace, Colt McCoy, and Thad Lewis. Oh, my God. He won five games with that. He should have been coach of the year. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Wow. Wow. Do you have it? If you don't, it's fine. Do you have it in front of you who they beat that year? I don't in front of me, no. But I was just trying to look at his wide receivers. And it's just, it is a graveyard. Like Travis Benjamin was the best. I think that's the year Travis Benjamin exploded, and then the Chargers came out and got him. Like, but, yeah, that was uh, not a, a good year for the Browns, but somehow they still managed to win five games. Oh, here you go. They beat the Bengals, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Chiefs. Hey, here you go. Awesome. <laughs> I remember that Chiefs game. Uh, God, in the Steelers, the Steelers, that's, that's a shame. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll, we won't get off topic, I believe that was the game that Browns came to Arrowhead, and, and I want to say his name was like Jerome Harrison. He rushed for like 290 yards in the game. It was, it was obscene. Anywho, we move on. Um, all right, so Des Bryant, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, he's going to have some options. I, I suspect he'll wait till after the draft. I kind of let her, I yeah. think teams will want everything to shake out a little bit. Another guy we got to get to, though, now we segue a little bit to another player who is a big name who might be moving. We're not sure. Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. is not reporting, is not reported to Patriots OTAs. Now, got to say, they're voluntary. Okay, so he doesn't have to. He's not subject to fine or anything like that. But this is out of the norm. He normally does show up. So he's got a couple years left in his deal. Considering the way the market is gone now, he's underpaid at the tight end position. Uh, and there's talk that maybe he wants to get paid more. There's talk that he might still retire after being injured last year. He has not played a full 16-game season since 2012. Then there's talk that he might just be worn out with Belichick. Yeah. And now there's a report out of WEEI up in Boston that New England's going to trade him. First of all, do you buy that they're going to trade him? Second of all, if not, what do you think the end game is here? I don't think you can trade him. Like both because I don't know where he goes, and I that we just talked about it. That team can't afford to trade Rob Gronkowski. I don't care what kind of issues that he has with Bill Belichick, or what kind of issues that the coaching staff might have with him and his antics off the field. He's you know compared comparatively to other players in the NFL, pretty 
pretty clean when it comes to off the field stuff. Like he's an idiot. He's, you know, doing the Gronk spike stuff like that. He's annoying. I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a role model, but compared to these other guys that are, you know, beating their girlfriends and doing, going to jail and all this kind of stuff, Rob Gronkowski off field issues. I would say I would use that term very lightly, but that being said, I think that teams are looking at that. And when you, when you're trading for Rob Gronkowski, you're trading for both the player on the field and you're trading for Gronk. So you're going to have to deal with that, and you're going to, you're thinking about some of these teams that need a wide or need a wide receiver, tight end type of guy. Do they really want to have to deal with that? And are they in a good enough position to compete for a Super Bowl? Because you're not you're not Cleveland trading for Gronkowski. You're not you know even Jacksonville trading for Gronkowski. I think that you're you have to be a Green Bay before they got Jimmy Graham, or maybe a New Orleans who wants to go out and get him. I, I, I just see it to be very hard for the, for the uh, greater NFL public, I guess you could say, to justify trading for Gronkowski outside of the obvious of the Patriots if they do this. Like, we're, we're talking about this fantastic dynasty for most of this decade. And then the end of the 30 for 30 is going to be the downfall was trading Garoppolo and then trading Gronkowski. But you can't do that. So I don't see any way that the Patriots do this. I think this is just going to be fodder as we get through this offseason. And maybe next year it's going to become a conversation when contracts, things come up and all that. Maybe retirement is a conversation again so he can act. But as far as this, Gronkowski is a Patriot in 2018 unless he decides to retire on his own. That's really the only reason he's not going to be in uniform. I would agree. Uh, I don't think he's going to retire. Look, he's got two years left on his current deal. One, mm-hmm. This coming year, he's making $10.9 million. The next year, he makes twelve. Now, if New England wanted to release him for whatever the reason, and Belichick, I, I, I wouldn't put anything past him. If they released him, they would save $6.9 million this year, and next year, they would save ten. Okay, They'd have a dead cap hit of $4 million this year and two next. I don't think that he's going anywhere because, as you alluded to, we just talked about it. If they cut Rob Gronkowski, they trade him. I don't care. Listen, I know they're the Pats, and everybody assumes everything's going to be fine and well, and I'm, I'm one of those people. I always mm-hmm. look at them and say they'll figure it out. If they cut or they trade Rob Gronkowski, that offense, I don't care who's playing quarterback, they're not scoring. Mm-mm. They lost Nate Solder. Okay, they have no left tackle. They lost Deion Lewis, who's by far their best running back. They, they let Amendola go to Miami. Okay, he's older, fine, no, fair enough, but he's always been clutch for, for Brady. And they traded Brandon Cooks. Now, got a couple of first-round picks. They got a couple of second-round picks. They may be able to replenish some of that, but these kids are still going to be rookies. Mm-hmm. Unless you get the rare-air guy who just comes in there and is great immediately, there's going to be a learning curve. And New England, over the last handful of years, has not been the best drafting team in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, They've been propped up by the fact that Brady's incredible and, and Belichick is probably the greatest coach of our time. I don't think Gronk goes, but I will say this. If there is any team in the league that will say, we don't care... We're getting rid of you. We're moving on. It's them. They have proven in the past that they don't put up with this kind of stuff. Now, maybe he's an exception. Maybe he shows up to camp in a week and it doesn't matter and everything's fine. If he skips all of the OTAs that are, that are voluntary, what's one thing? He skips mandatory minicamp in, 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 in mid-June. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes interesting. Then it becomes, well, is he trying to, like, is he trying to squeeze some more money out of New England? I mean, he is making almost $23 million over the next two years. Now, he, you would imagine he'd get more in the open market, but also he's not getting paid $4 million a year either. Right. So I think he stays, but, you know, I wouldn't peg it as like an, a certainty that he's here week one. Mm-hmm. They, are a, they are a different franchise. It's, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's just fascinating to see where they've come from. Just all of the, the kind of you have the God view, it seems, of this Patriots dynasty because you've got that game against the Jets where Drew Bledsoe goes out and then Tom Brady comes in. You're like, who the hell is this guy? They go to the Super Bowl, they beat the Rams, and then it's just from there it's been this unstoppable force. And it seems that the only immovable object is themselves. They can't get out of their own way. And we say this about teams all the time of lesser quality, which is why it's so weird that we're saying this about the Patriots, but they can't get out of their own way. It's the, they've become, it, it's a character of themselves. You know, back in the day, Homer Simpson was a hilarious character because he was very pure and he was very honest and earnest and you could identify with that character. But then he became the guy, the slapstick guy who falls through the table, Chris Farley style. And that's kind of what the Patriots have done now. They've, for so many years, it was the Patriot way. It was, you are just part of the system. You're going to fit in here, and it's going to be Belichick, and it's going to be Brady. And like you said, we're going to figure it out. And it's gotten to a point where they think they can figure out anything that they can't even beat a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl now. So, I mean, and no offense to Nick Foles, but that's what he is. He is a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl, and they lost. And any of those other years with the Patriots, you would have thought Nick Foles and the Eagles? Oh, God, this is going to be a bloodbath. And plenty of us thought it was going to be a bloodbath heading into there. And we were just kind of giving the Eagles the benefit of the doubt and saying, oh, yeah, you know, they're a better team than we think. The game's going to be close, but there's no way the Patriots lose this. And they got beat. So, you know, this, this kind of speaks to the larger problem at hand here. The Gronkowski thing is a microcosm of the Patriot way becoming too big to fail. And now what, what's going to happen? You know, McDaniel's coming back. He's going to be the coach, presumably, when Belichick leaves. But in what state is that franchise going to be? It once looked like they were going to be set up to kind of smoothly transition into this the way that the Packers went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Now it's going to be a lot more dicey. And I'm not so sure that this is going to be a good era for Patriots fans. They better enjoy this now. They better stop talking about we need to get rid of Gronk. We need to build for the future. There is no future. It's like the Cavaliers after LeBron, man. It is going to be bad. So just enjoy it now. And Gronk, he, he's going to be there. But I'm more concerned about what the future is for the Patriots. But Look, to me, and I'll, I'll put a ball on my thoughts on it here with this. Looking at New England's cap situation, next year, they have the ninth least cap space in the NFL mm. already, $42.7 million. Okay. By the way, I don't even know if it's possible. Jacksonville is already $16.5 million over the cap <laughs> next year. The projected cap of $190 million. So that's an increase of $12 million. Didn't they just give Bortles like an extra $16 million? Yeah. So <laughs> there it is. Are, <laughs> they are already over there. That's beside the point. So New England's working on $42.7 million. Now, they got a lot of free agents next year. Chris Hogan, Cordell Patterson, Kenny mm-hmm. Britt, Jordan Matthews, Mike Gillisley, Jeremy Hill, Brandon Bolden, Shaq Mason, a very good guard. Uh, he, he's up for a new contract. Trey Flowers, arguably their best player next to Dante Hightower in the front seven. He's mm-hmm. up for a new deal. Uh, Goskowski, Jason McCourty, Eric Rowe, who's going to be a starting corner for them at this point this year. Yeah. That's a lot of guys. Okay? And after that, the, and I won't get through the whole thing, but next year, the, the year after that, and by the way, I should say Jason McCourty, not Devin is a free agent next year. Devin after 2019. <laughs> But basically, what I'm driving at is over the next two years, everybody who matters is a free agent at yeah. some point. Um, so enjoy it now, like, like you were saying, Hill, because you have maybe two years left where this team is really good, and then uh, it's over. Uh, they, you know, at that point, Brady will be 43 years old, and I, I don't care how long you want to play. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think you're going to see. I think this is it for Gronkowski and Edelman this year in a lot of ways. Yeah, because they could cut Edelman and save money. 
who knows what he's going to be like off the ACL. Gronkowski, I think, frankly, is either just going to retire mm-hmm. or they'll move on and yeah. save $10 million. They might have to save. So it's going to be interesting. I think New England is the most vulnerable they've been in a long time. And not because, you know, the AFC is great. The AFC stinks. Mm-hmm. But as great as the Pats are, and you hear it every year for what feels like a decade, oh, is this it? Is this the end of the run? Look, I still think they're the favorite in the AFC. Yeah. But this team is vulnerable. The offensive line's not great. The weapons are not great, even with Gronk and, and, and Edelman, and they're both injury risks. Um, the defense is terrible. Like, they're favorites for two reasons, Belichick and Brady. And we saw last year they almost got knocked off at home by Jacksonville, mm-hmm. okay? They are more vulnerable than they've been in the past. And you know how you know it? Because you're not hearing all this smoke and fire from the national media. You're not hearing it from people like you and I. You're hearing it from people who are around that team, and you're hearing it from people who are on that team. Yeah. That is where, to me, you start to say, hmm, that's interesting. Because you never heard that before. You always heard the national media circling like sharks around chum, but then people in, in, the, in the know, in the area, it's, ah, oh, they're fine. Yeah. Don't worry about You know, it's all, it's all, you know, I hate the term, like fake news. I, I don't think that they're going to free fall all of a sudden. But they're not this gigantic favorite going into this year like they were last year. Mm-mm. Still a team to be reckoned with, but a team that suddenly you wonder how it's all going to play out. Yeah, and we're just going to have to see how uh, the Patriots end up putting it together. But I'm, I'm with you. I think the end, is, the end is nigh, it seems, for the old Patriots dynasty. But something else that is coming up is the NFL Draft which is a little bit more happier for teams not in New England because they're building for the future. And uh, so some things have happened recently that maybe shape or help us give an idea of what that top five is going to look like. And today the Broncos, they got rid of C.J. Anderson, which is a bit of a surprise. I mean, we, we, we're not so surprised about that. I mean, you listen to any of the episodes of the podcast during the season. We're not fans of Denver. You particularly have a lot of problems with the way that the organization is being run from the top down. And C.J. Anderson was kind of one of those guys where you're like, is he really your franchise running back? John Elway decides not to uh, give him that title. But that could open up somebody else getting that, and that could be Saquon Barkley. What do you think that the Broncos are thinking at that number five pick right now, are they going to go with Saquon? I mean, they don't have much of an offensive line, but if you have a franchise-changing running back like that available to you, that's going to be very hard to pass up. Even if you're John Elwin, you don't know what you're, you're, you know, you're throwing darts at a dartboard to try to make some picks. Broken clock is right twice a day, so. Well, listen, here, here's where we stand with this. Okay? They've, they've released C.J. Anderson, who is 27 years old. He was going to be making five and a half, or excuse me, four and a half million dollars each of the mm. next two seasons. They caught him. They, they have no dead cap. So they saved that money, and they were a little bit tight uh, on the caps. Okay, fine. I understand that. The question I have now is, okay, what are you doing at that position? Because they don't exactly have a wealth of young running backs there. If you look at Denver's team right now, okay, they cut C.J. Anderson. Who's the next man up on the depth chart to replace him? Well, if you look at it, Devontae Booker. Ooh. Uh, you know, now, Devontae Booker was a, a – pick that was a few years ago out of the fourth round. He was from Utah. A lot of people thought, hey, this guy could, could be something. Well, so far in his career, he's got 911 yards, 3.6 yards carry. Okay? He has more fumbles and touchdowns, 6-5. to five. I don't know that you necessarily want to throw all your, your eggs in the Devontae Booker basket, um, which lends me to believe that they are going to take a running back here in this draft. I don't mm-hmm. think it's Barkley in the first round. There's a lot of depth to this class. I think they look... Like, I think if Darius Geis fell to the second round... Mm-hmm. 
I think that'd be a, a, a good spot for, for him to go. I think that would be something that they might look at. reason I don't think they take Barkley is twofold. They have a lot of needs, more pressure than a running back. Yeah. Number two, I don't think Barkley's there at five. I think, mm. I think he's gone. Yeah. Okay. I think if he gets to four, the Browns will take him. Uh, so I don't think he gets there. If he does, is it possible? Sure. But I think the Broncos have much bigger needs. In fact, frankly, if I'm the Broncos, if I'm not taking a quarterback and Quentin Nelson's on the board at that point, yeah. that's where I'm going. Oh, yeah. Because their offensive line has been a sieve, and I don't care who's running behind it. Uh, they need more help up front. So I don't think it's Barkley, but I do think at some point in the draft they go and get their guy. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to Denver kind of, you know, John Elway going throwback a little bit and reaching down to find another Georgia running back. Last time they picked the Georgia running back, worked, worked out, out pretty well for him. Nick Chubb's there. They got a couple of Georgia running backs. Sonny, Sonny, Michelle, Sonny, yeah. Sonny Michelle's there, too. I think Chubb would be more fit that system a little bit better because he does seem to be more of a traditional running back, whereas Michelle's more of, you know, this Alvin Kamara comparison guy. The fast gap back type. Yeah, either way, I think that they go running back some point in this draft as well. I don't think it's going to be Saquon Barkley, just because I, I agree with you. I don't think he gets to number five. It's We're getting to a point now where a lot of these mock drafts have people going in different spots like, oh, maybe Barkley's going to fall. Maybe he's going to take a slide here. And it's like, no, he's going to be locked in the top five. Same with some of these quarterbacks. Like Josh Rosen, I think, is a guy. If he if he's available there at number five for the Broncos. It's tough to pass up. A, I, a, he's tough to pass. And B, it's, you know, if I'm a team like Buffalo and I haven't traded up yet, I'm moving up and I'm getting to that number five spell, uh, slot with the Broncos. So I think that... You know, as much as the Broncos have botched a lot of these drafts recently, I think there's a big opportunity for them to correct course in a big way, no matter what happens at number five there, whether, like you said, a Quentin Nelson is available or a quarterback is there or somebody wants to trade up. I think that Elway has been given an opportunity here to really recoup some of his losses over the years. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to, but... If I'm, a, if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm more excited about this than I should be because, you know, it's, you're not going to get a guy who's going to take you to the Super Bowl next year. You're not getting a Leonard Fournette or something like that who's going to be a, a, a piece that you plug in. But I do think that you're going to get somebody that is going to be part of the foundation for the future. You know, when they drafted Von Miller, didn't go to the Super Bowl right away, built it as a foundation, Super Bowl MVP. So, No, I think it's a good point. You mentioned Nick Chubb, just to piggyback off that. Look, I... He's a guy who people think is going to go day two, second or third round. Last year, he ran for over 1,300 yards and 15 mm-hmm. touchdowns. So, you know, he came back from what was a gruesome knee injury uh, back, I believe, in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, he, he really bounced back. You mentioned Sonny Michelle. He might be an early second-round pick, uh, electrical, uh, electric-type player. And one guy to keep an eye on is Rashad Penny out of uh, San Ooh. Diego State. Penny yeah. is somebody that a lot of teams like. Another day two guy. Ran a four point four six forty at the at the combine, so he can fly. Uh, but there's a there's a lot of depth to this class. Uh, you, know, you want a guy even on the third day, like a Royce Freeman out of Oregon, uh, a guy almost had fifteen hundred yards last year on the ground, fourteen mm-hmm. scores. I, he's there, there's guys. I think Denver's going to get one of them. Uh, and look, Anderson to just put a bow on him. He's a bowling ball, man. 5'8", 224 pounds. He had a lot of weight issues while he was in Denver. They, they had issues at times with his conditioning. Uh, you could see that on the field, frankly. But guy averages 4.4 yards a carry for his career. He's played in the NFL for five seasons. Not always most durable. Last year, it's the first time he played 16 games. Had 1,000 yards for the first time. Um, but he can help somebody. He's a, to me, he's a good rotational back. 
you know, guy who I think could give you some short yardage, stuff like that. And so Denver cuts him, they move on. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see where he lands. Talk about another franchise that doesn't really know what they're doing, or at least has shown a history of not knowing what they're doing. The Cleveland Browns. They have the number one and the number four pick in the draft right now. I say right now because there's a good chance that somebody wants to jump up at four and grab that pick. And if I'm John Dorsey and somebody's offering me a first round pick, second round pick, I'm making that trade big time. There's Saquon Barkley can change that offense, but so can another first and a second round pick, you know. But so the big conversation everybody's been having is what quarterback they take at number one. What is the more interesting conversation to you? Who they take at number one or what they do at number four? Because if you're Cleveland, you've got a couple of different routes that you can go here. And I'm almost more intrigued by what happens at four just because there's so many more dominoes that could fall there. You know, if there's still a quarterback on the board, like we were saying with Denver, somebody's going to want to move up. Do you take Saquon Barkley? Even if Barkley's there, do you go with a Bradley Chubb, put him next or on the same defensive line as Miles Garrett? Number four to me is a lot more interesting than number one, which we are all assuming is going to be a quarterback. And at that point, it's just like, well, who is it going to be? So, You know, I actually go the other way here. I'm, I'm more interested in who they take first, mm. just because there's been a lot of talk. Is it Josh Allen? Is it Sam Darnold? Um. I think the difference between the two of them is stark. Mm-hmm. I understand why Allen is such a big prospect to teams. He's a big kid. He's got a strong arm, but I, uh, I don't, I don't see him as being a big time prospect. When you complete fifty six point two percent of your passes in college, that is bad news. Okay, uh, he is inaccurate. He played in the Mountain West Conference, and he still couldn't complete passes. <laughs> Sam Darnold had some turnover issues last year. There's no question about that. But Sam Darnold can play at the next level. You watch his tape. He makes all the throws. He's a smart kid. He's, you know, I hate to be, sound like the scout, but like he's a winner. He's got intangibles. And Allen, for all intents and purposes, there's no red flags about his character. But Darnold is a number one type player where I think Allen is much more of a project. Mm. Um, so I would like to see Cleveland take Darnold, but it's Cleveland. So you never know what's going to happen. That said, I think John Dorsey knows what he's doing. He's got a pretty good track record where he's been with the quarterbacks. He was part of the room that drafted uh, Brett Favre. He was part, or excuse mm-hmm. me, he was part of the trade of Brett Favre. Part of the room that drafted Aaron Rodgers. He was the driving force behind the Chiefs taking Patrick Mahomes. So this is a guy who has a pretty good track record. Maybe he takes Allen, and I'm proven wrong. But I'm more interested in seeing which way they go with the number one pick. Where does Baker Mayfield go? Because that's another conversation. Everybody's talking about Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen has crept up in the conversation because he's apparently too intellectual to play football. Where does Baker Mayfield go? Do the Dolphins trade up to number five and take him? Do they wait and just take him at number 11? You know, <laughs> like the way this is going, Mayfield at one point seemed like a lock to be one of these top quarterbacks taken, and now everybody's kind of cooled. Not to the ex- not to keep comparing him to Johnny Menzel, but it reminds me a lot of when Blake Bortles went to the Jaguars. Everybody's like, "Oh, is it going to be Menzel here? Menzel, they got to go Menzel," and then he just slid all the way down. I kind of maybe see something like that happen with Baker. Um, I don't know if he gets past the Dolphins just because they need a quarterback so bad. But let's say that they don't take him. Like, does he, if he doesn't, if Baker Mayfield's still on the board at eleven and the Dolphins pass. Like, where does he go? Like, does somebody trade up to get him? Like, well, what's up with that? You know, that is a very interesting question. And I will say, I know the Jets are going to take a quarterback because mm-hmm. they trade up from six to three. You give up three second-round picks, you're, you're going to take a quarterback. You're not oh, doing yeah. all that to get a defensive tackle. Oh, no. I think the Jets are going to take him. I think the Jets are going to take Mayfield, which 
That either is like Namath part two, <laughs> or that is a disaster yeah. waiting to happen. But I think the Jets like him from everything I've heard. I, I you know, they they're smitten with him. They they think he can make all the throws. He's got ample ability from mm-hmm. watching him. There's no question. Now he's been arrested before. N- nothing crazy, you know, public intoxication, disorderly mm-hmm. conduct, things like that. But you know, you worry about that more when you're in New York and you're not in Indianapolis. Like, yeah. You know, New York. Like, look, I grew up in New York. If you want to find trouble in New York, you're gonna. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with that, but I think they're going to take Mayfield. And the reason being is, and this is a guess, uh, I think the Browns are eventually going to take Darnold. I just do. I, I think at some point somebody in that room is going to say, "Look, can he, can Allen complete a pass?" Mm. Answer is going to be no, and then they're going to go with Darnold. So the Jets, I think, also are going to come to that conclusion, and I think I think two things. Mayfield excites them. I think it energizes their fan base. Okay. And I don't necessarily know that Allen does that. Mm. And I and I think I think teams and, and we can go into this more. Teams are somehow scared of Josh Rosen because he has a working brain. Stupid. This has to be the dumbest thing. I, there was a and I want to give credit, Bleacher Report wrote an article citing some anonymous people inside the NFL uh, executives who were saying basically the last thing we need is when we're in a losing streak that Rosen's tweeting about Trump. I got news for you. You're in a losing streak. The last thing you ought to be worried about is what Josh Rosen's tweeting about Donald mm-hmm. Trump. None of that should matter. I guarantee whoever said that, and it was an anonymous executive, I guarantee that that executive is on a losing franchise. Oh, big time. That is such a ridiculous thing to come out and say. You're going to tell me that you think Josh Rosen's a top 10 player, top 5 player in this draft. Maybe a lot of people think he's the best quarterback prospect from pure arm talent Mm -hmm. in this draft, and I would agree with that. And you're not going to take this guy because you're worried about, oh, geez, well, you know, if he tweets about some political thing or if he's reading too much, we have a big concern. (laughs) I mean, what are we talking about? If, If I was a fan of a team that needed a quarterback... And my team passed on that guy because they're worried about what he might tweet politically. I don't Stupid. care. If, I don't care if he supports communism. Like he's out there <laughs> playing football. So I that to me is the most fascinating thing. This whole draft. Where does that kid go? Because if he gets past the Jets, mm. what happens? Does Denver take him? Does Denver let him slide? Because he now that's really the, the, the crucible there. Because if he gets past Denver, Oof. you don't have another team that needs a quarterback. Potentially until Miami at eleven. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't imagine he gets past the Bills at twelve. I think there would be a full blown riot. Oh yeah. If he got to twelve and the Bills were sitting there and the Bills took anybody but him, I think there would be a, a significant issue up in Orchard Park. Uh, but that is something to me. I am fascinated to see what happens. If Josh Rosen, you know, I'll die on this hill here because we haven't done that in a while. Which, by the way, I died on the hill that Des Bryant was not going to be good in 2017. Not only was he not good, he got cut. So thank you. Well, you didn't die. You lived on that. There you go. We've got we've got receipts for that. But if if he if Josh Rosen gets past Denver at number five and he's there at either number six for Indianapolis or especially number seven Tampa Bay, I think Arizona makes the call. And they move up. They do it. Because Tampa Bay, they can move down. You know, they would want Derwin James, but they could possibly get him a little bit later in the draft, too. And they have, there's going to be other players that, of need that they can take there. I think everybody's think, talking about Miami's moving up to take Baker Mayfield. You got the Bills are trading up to take Josh Allen. I wouldn't sleep on the, the, the Cardinals moving up to take Josh Rosen if he gets past Denver at number five. But like we just talked about, if John Elway knows what he's doing, He's going to take Josh Rosen if he's there at number five because they need a quarterback. Case Keenum is not the guy for the future. He's a great guy to, to learn behind. 
So, and then, and then this idea that he's too intellectual to play football. Can these football dinosaurs lean any more into the jock narrative of jocks don't read jocks are tough guys like come on like he reads like he's in touch with his you know his feminine side or whatever like that like who cares there's been how many different nfl players how many different nfl legends who have gone on to be you know have great post football careers where they're authors where they are filmmakers where they are you know you know philosophers on you know certain different degrees but the idea that he's too intellectual to play football it's just so stupid. And this is why we have so much turnover every single year with these head coaches because it's this – There's I forget who says it, but it's like this theory or there's this chart somewhere where it's like it's Bill Belichick and then it's everybody else because he's the guy who's figured it out and he's the greatest coach of our generation for a reason. And it's everybody else doesn't know what they're doing. There's about three or four coaches that know how to, the game is coached how the game is played, and more importantly, how to adapt to the way that the game is played. Those are the guys that still have jobs. It's everybody else, all these executives, all these scouts, all these coaches who are like, oh, yeah, Josh Rosen likes to read too much. I'm sure he also has an organic garden that we don't want to go into either. It's like, get out of here with that. Do you want to win or not? I, I always, you know, you mentioned guys going to have other careers. Like, Roger Stallback's one of the most successful yeah. businessmen in America. Oh, yeah. You know, just thank God he was an idiot. Because, you know, that's the way they won two Super Bowls with him. Right. You know, how about, like, Peyton Manning? Manning's legitimately one yeah. of the smartest people ever been on, on a football yeah. field. You know, he turned out to be okay. Like, this whole notion that, like, you've got to just, all you have to do is be a football junkie. Look, if you're a great player, if you're good at what, in any venue of your life, if you, if you put in the time, you're going to be good if you have some talent to go along with it. And Josh Rosen didn't get to the point he's at by just not caring. Yeah. Mm-mm. You could argue, hey, maybe the guy's aloof. Maybe I, I don't trust him in, in, in my locker room because I don't think he's got the right temperament. Fine. But the idea that he's too smart to play in the NFL is the most absurd, ridiculous thing you'll ever hear. But unfortunately, it is, it is common. Um, I am fascinated to see where he goes. And I will say, and mm-hmm. you, you kind of touched on it, as did I. If he falls to Denver at five and Denver doesn't take him, and let's say he goes to Buffalo and he turns into the next Jim Kelly. <laughs> That's Oops. enough to get John Elway fired. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and I listen, I get it. Elway's a legend there, and rightfully so. Okay. And he even won a Super Bowl as a GM. If John Elway passes on one of these big time quarterbacks, and he and I don't care, look, I don't care if Quentin Nelson turns into Will Shields. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he passes on one of these big time quarterbacks, that's that's a rough look because I, I think Case Keenum's fine and he's a bridge and all that. Sh- but, like, you're not winning a Super Bowl with Case Keenum. Mm-mm. Okay? You're not. Case Keenum had the year of his life last year and then got thrashed in the playoffs. It, it's, you're not – they're not even winning the division with Case Keenum, let no. alone a Super Bowl. So, if I'm Elway and Rosen falls to me, if by some miracle Darnold falls to me, I'm all over that. Now, personally, if Allen fell to me, I'm letting him fall. If Mayfield fell to them, that's interesting. That is a call you got to be comfortable with that. Yeah. Because the one thing to also keep in mind, and I'll end on this, if, if Elway drafts a quarterback again, and he's wrong again, it's bad news. he's out the door. Yeah. Right? Like, this is a huge moment for John Elway. He has to get this right. They have not drafted one Pro Bowl player 
that's made a Pro Bowl while in Denver since 2011. Mm. They have to get it right. So, this is, I think, as much as it's important for Cleveland, of course, and everybody, Denver is a team that maybe gets overlooked in this a little bit. This is an enormous moment for that franchise. Yeah, it's it's big for Denver. And to tie a bow around the Josh Rosen conversation, anybody out there who's sitting there being like, yeah, you know, but he just needs to focus on football. He's got to be a tough guy. Alan Page, for Vikings fans out there who know him, and if you've ever seen the, the Football Life documentary on him from NFL Network, is really good. Alan Page, Supreme Court Justice in Minnesota, smart intellectual guy, extremely smart. And there's a scene in that documentary where he's like showing you his hand or something like that. And he only has like full function of like one of his fingers because the other ones have just been broken and mashed so many times that he can't even form a full fist. His fingers don't work. But that right there is a picture of intellectualism and toughness. You can be a smart guy and you can be a tough guy. So anybody looking at Josh Rosen saying he reads too much, I think he might need to be reevaluating some things. But speaking of reading, Vertoran, we can end on this one. We've been reading some NFL schedule leaks recently because the schedule is supposed to be coming out very soon. Usually comes out right before the NFL draft, which, of course, is coming up next week. So right now, I mean, the most recent leak, it seemed to have been the Chiefs and the uh, Rams playing on Monday Night Football. Of course, we heard a couple of weeks ago the Vikings and the Eagles are going to start the season against each other, which would be the Eagles getting their Super Bowl rings. Hopefully Nick Nick Foles starts that game, even if Carson Wentz is healthy. Like, come on, just give give him one more moment. But... What else do you see or are you hearing on the NFL schedule front? Either leaks that we've been talking about or just matchups that you're excited for that maybe you want to see. Well, look, we already know who's playing who, where the games are. We simply just don't know the dates, the times, yeah. so on and so forth, the order of the games. Um, I am looking forward to New England and Pittsburgh, the Jesse James fiasco <laughs> rematch. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is a lot of bad blood between those teams. You know, obviously they've been competing for years, New England having the upper hand most of the time. And then, of course, James Harrison, he leaves late in the year, he goes to New England, they mm-hmm. go to the Super Bowl with him. I'm really looking forward to that game. Uh, I, I, of course, we don't know yet when it's going to be played and all that, but I'm looking forward to it. I think the Chiefs-Rams game is going to be fascinating. The Rams are going to be fascinating in general. Oh, yeah. But that game's on Monday night. you got Marcus Peters, who's always been good in primetime spots. Now, he's going to be in that game going against Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have in that game Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey going against Aqib Tlaib and LaMarcus Joyner mm. and Marcus Peters. That is going to be – got Hunt, you got Kareem Hunt and Todd Gurley in that game. Like, you want to talk about star power? There is your star power. Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue on one side, Justin Houston, Eric Berry on the other. Yeah. Look, I think the Rams are going to be really good. I think the Chiefs could be, dependent upon that defense is just very iffy right now. But, man, primetime games are built up on stars. You're not going to find too many games with more stars in that, that matchup. That, those two teams, you could have 15 pro bowlers off those two teams. Oh, yeah. So, you know, but other, other games that I'm interested in, the first time the Rams play the Niners. That was a yeah. great matchup way back when. I think it's going to be really fun this year. Yep. Um, if and when, when Dez signs, I'm curious, like, is he signed a team to play Dallas? <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, you know, I, I want to see Green Bay and Minnesota. That would be, I'm yeah. I'm really interested in that. Yep. I know it's obviously a divisional matchup, but I'm curious to see about that. Um, I want to see who the Raiders open up against. You know, typically, too, week one, we get that, that doubleheader on Monday night. Mm-hmm. And so there's always like a, a West Coast team that opens up on Monday Night Football. Yeah. It, you know, I wonder, like, is it the Niners? Is it the Raiders? Is it, is it the Raiders against the Niners? Because they play <laughs> each other. 
Like that, yeah, that'd be good. Like that would be awesome, right? Like so, that would be. I'm fascinated to see how that all plays out. Um, but those are the matchups that jump out to me off the top of my head. Um, I really just I, I want to see how that all shakes. And actually, I'll give you a last one: uh, the Saints and the Vikings, mm. the rematch yep. of what was you know the Minneapolis miracle. So yep. uh, th- there's a lot of them. I can't wait to see how the schedule all breaks down. But those are a few that jump out to me. Yeah, 49ers Seahawks first matchup is going to be interesting. Richard Sherman going up against True. his old team. That's going to be good, especially after all that happened with that. And just because you know Richard Sherman's the type of guy that's going to tell you he's going to kick your ass, kick your ass, and then laugh at you for kicking your ass so hard. Yeah. So that's going to be good, especially if it doesn't go his way. And Russell Wilson has his moment. Like that's going to be that'll be that'll be something to watch. I'm also just not from a matchup standpoint, but I'm just interested in the Tennessee Titans this year. Last year. You know, we were talking before the season. Everybody said it was the Bucks and the Titans who were supposed to take the next step. Mariota and Winston, who I, they're having joint uh, scrimmages this this off season, so that's going to be interesting to see. You know, Hard Knocks picked the wrong year to put the Bucks on there. You know, the correct answer is no years if you're a Bucks fan after the way last year turned out. But the Titans, you know, this year they're the team that did take the the leap last year, and now they've got a new head coach. They've got a new offensive coordinator, uh, coordinator in Matt LaFleur, who I thought should have been a head coach this year, but is definitely going to put one final feather in his cap before then becoming a head coach next offseason. But you take a look at their schedule. You know, New England, that's going to be a tough matchup for them. Buffalo's never easy. They've got Dallas. They've got the Eagles. That's a home game, mind you. But then just that, you know, we used to say with the AFC South – those out-of-division games are going to be the ones that are really going to gauge how good this team is going to be. But the AFC South got good. They, those two games against Jacksonville, those aren't gimmies anymore. You got the, the Texans with Deshaun Watson coming back. J.J. Watt, he'll be back there. If they get Des Bryant, that offense is going to be wild. And then you've got, you never know, with Indianapolis and Andrew Luck. So to me, I think the Titans, I want to see how their schedule stacks up. I want to see, you know, if they have to play Philly and New England back-to-back weeks, that's going to be tough. So, you know, we we talk about matchups a lot and which ones are going to be interesting to see, and that's going to be the big headline grabbers. But when these schedules come out, I think what you should be looking at is when do these teams play their toughest stretch of the season? Because we said it last year. The Patriots, they had a little bit tougher of a, or the the Dolphins, they had a little bit tougher of a stretch at the end of the season. They needed to get those wins early, and they kind of struggled, and they didn't make the playoffs. If they would have, Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net, and in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV, and your goalie is the -the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Got some of those early games. Would have started a little stronger. Maybe they make the playoffs. You never know. So the structure of the schedule to me is always fascinating. It's a really nerdy inside football type of thing. But that to me, if you're if you're looking at these schedules and you want to really get a good feel for where the season's going to go, at least a knee-jerk feel, look at the structure and where those hardest stretches are and then see where the, how good those teams are going to be late in the year. Yep. Look, if you play cold weather teams outdoors, mm. are, they against, are they in September or December? How yep. many teams do you play that are coming off a bye? Mm. How many back-to-back road trips do you have? How, do you have a three-game road trip? All those things might find out. Uh, there's some rumors that maybe on Thursday, uh, but can't confirm that. But that's just maybe it's just a little talk. Um, all right. So with that being said, 
Uh, thank you so much for listening, and, and please check out our NFL Draft Show live on Fansided on the Facebook page. Uh, we just crossed a million likes. Uh, it's going to be on Thursday, April 26th, of course. We're going to come on about 10 minutes for the draft, and then we'll play all the way through. Uh, Josh and I will be there. Michelle Bruton will be there. Uh, Mark Carmen will be hosting. Kayla Canaram will be involved. So we will have you covered, believe me. It's going to be very analytical, but we're also going to have a lot of fun with it. Hill and I are going to have like a hot dog eating contest. It's going to be, <laughs> one of us is going to get violently ill, if not both of us. Going to uh, see a death live yeah, on gonna there. Say, gonna <laughs> Somebody's going to choke. It's going to be it's going to be a one man show after that. Um, but please uh, stick with it. And by the way, uh, I don't ever do this, but on a on a personal note, uh, you know, because I know uh, my old man listens every week, and so just want to say uh, my my grandfather, his father back home is in failing health. He's 101 years old, so God doesn't owe him anything. But uh, you know. This might be the last time we do this show when, when he's still with us. And I you know, just wanted to say, you know, from Chicago, I'm not going to get home to New Jersey probably before he passes away. But, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I love him. We're going to really miss him. He's a great man. He's a World War II veteran. He had four medals over in Germany. And a little insight into his life. He's a very private person. He was in the Army over there. Uh, he was part of the Battle of the Bulge. Mm. And at the end of the war, you know, a lot of people don't realize you have to earn a certain amount of points to be sent home. And he was over there working with a, a gentleman, a, a German citizen named Hans, who was helping the U.S. kind of pack up and get stuff going. And one night, Hans went to my grandfather and said, look, uh, you know, do you have any medicine at all? Germany had been bombed into the Stone Age. They didn't have anything. And Hans's wife was really sick. And my grandfather said, look, I'm not supposed to do that. I can get in a ton of trouble if I give you anything but meet me under this streetlight at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'll, I'll be here. And he gave him some penicillin. And a couple months later, when my grandfather went home from the war, uh, Hans and his healthy wife came to see him off. And we didn't hear that story until mm. about two years ago when I did a story on him in World War II. He finally told us all that. Um, I'm glad he did, because that kind of em- is emblematic of who he is. And uh, so in any event, I just want to kind of dedicate – a small little thing to him, and yeah. for, for me, that's a show. So, um, I love you. I hope you're doing all right. I hope maybe maybe my dad will play this for him before he uh, passes away. But in any event, uh, thank you so much for subscribing. Sorry for a little bit of a sad note there, but maybe uh, keep in mind. Uh, tell people you love them. Hug them. So, uh, thank you for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, if you have, thank you so much. Please leave a comment, a rating. Again, next week, just just audio again. We're not going to be on Facebook Live. We're getting ready for the show. But then we'll be back doing audio and uh, the show as well. We'll be covering the draft wall-to-wall. So, for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.